Morning, folks. I think I know most of you, but for those who don't, my name is Ray. Uh, I was a pastor in a couple of different churches for around 15 years, and I was a missionary in Borneo, East Malaysia, for around 10 years. And uh, yeah, Neil asked me to preach this passage about six months ago, and I've been working on it ever since. <laughs> and uh, Yes, I've preached it once already <laughs> since I was working so hard on it. Um, and I've talked to lots and lots of people uh, about this passage and I'm just privileged to have the opportunity to share God's word with you. Let us pray. By grace we are here today, Lord. By grace you have shared the truth through your servant Abraham who became the father of many nations. And Father, through Abraham, we have your precious son, Jesus, who is our redemption. And Lord, we pray that you would teach us from this passage the lessons of faith. And Father, just what a great example Abraham is to us even in this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, at the last minute, uh, Neil included chapter 21, but it's just too big a passage to cover uh, in a sermon. So I'm just going to pull out two facts from chapter 21 that help you to understand chapter 22. Isaac is born. So the promise that has been going on since chapter 12 of Abraham having uh, and uh, descendants uh, is fulfilled. Uh, there is much rejoicing in the early part of Gen uh, Genesis 21. And it tells us specifically Abraham was 100 years old when his son uh, Isaac was born to him. And that's important because God has now fulfilled the promise that he made at exactly the time that God said that he would come and fulfill it. And there's the story of Hagar and Ishmael uh, being sent away. And let me just read that because the last bit of this is important. God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will also make the son of the slave into a nation also because he is your offspring. And so that whole event is covered and of course it becomes a really significant and key part uh, of uh, Islam. I've been studying the background and you, you understand that in Islam the Hajj is tremendously involved in particularly this story of Hagar and Ishmael to the Muslims, Ishmael is the son of promise. And if you're confused in chapter 22 why it talks about Isaac as the only son, it is that Isaac is the son of promise and Ishmael has left the camp. So the first part, I've broken it down into three parts. There's an outline in the paper, by the way, which I'll follow fairly accurately. Uh, God commands uh, Abraham to sacrifice uh, his son. So we've read the passage. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, 
Here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain uh, I will show you. Now, I've got a few pictures to help the kids uh, follow along. Um, and we have a picture of Abraham, perhaps in prayer, and God speaks to him. Now, I'm not sure that God spoke to him in exactly this way. Perhaps just during the night, Abraham hears the voice of God. But Abraham has heard the voice of God many times. He's used to hearing God talking to him. And he's absolutely clear that this really is God calling him to do something which is terrible, really, to offer as sacrifice his son. Sometime later, we would say perhaps between 110 and 115 years old, Isaac being 10 to 15, we're not given a precise time. But we are given a fairly precise location. They are to go to Moriah, a mountain that I will show you, that, that God is so specific about this place. Where it happens must be important. And there's only one other reference to Mount Moriah in the Bible. That is in 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1. And Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David. And so that location in Jerusalem was to be the location of the temple. And that is the place where God sends Abraham with Isaac. Now, we don't know that that is the exact location, um, but it is... Uh, to this day, are uh, considered the place where that event took place. If you see in Jerusalem the original foundation of the Temple Mount, which is still there, the stones that Solomon laid uh, are still there. And on top of that is a mosque, and inside the mosque is a rock outcropping. The mosque is called the Dome of the Rock, and uh, that rocky outcrop in the middle of the temple site is considered the place where Abraham offered Isaac. Now I want you to notice how, how connected chapter 22 is with chapter 12 where we are first introduced to Abraham. And the writer of the book of Hebrews picks up that Abraham has two acts of faith in his life. The first is going out from his own people and the second is to go and to sacrifice his son. So in chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. God has asked Abraham to cut himself off from his people, from his tribe, from his country. Now, many of you are, are immigrants into Australia. They say we're all immigrants in Australia. Um, and uh, some of you probably much more recent. My family's been here four or five generations. But uh, we've recently had a lot of issues with um, parliamentarians discovering that they happen to have 
citizenship of another country. And uh, so many, many people in Australia are, are dual citizens, um, sometimes not knowing it. But when you come to a different country, life changes and you become involved with a different group of people, different language, different culture. And over time, you kind of get cut off from that group of people. In fact, to Abraham, it was so important, God made it clear to him he was never to go back. When he is looking for a wife for Isaac, he refuses to let Isaac himself go back, and Abraham never goes back. He actually sends a servant, and you'll see that story in the later chapters of Genesis, how a servant goes back to find a wife for Isaac from amongst their people. God is cutting Abraham off because God is going to make from Abraham a whole new nation. This is going to be a nation under God and through this nation, God is going to bless all the nations of the earth. In chapter 22, we see that God is threatening that promise that he is to take his son and to offer him to God as a sacrifice. Now, Abraham is cut off from his past. If he kills Isaac, he has no future because it is through Isaac that his descendants will come that God's promise to him is that only through Isaac will God fulfill his promise. And so God has cut him off in the past and now threatens his future. And it is a tremendous task that he gives to Abraham. Now, Abraham doesn't get to read the scripture because it hadn't been written yet. Abraham doesn't know this is a test. So Abraham has no idea what God is planning. And the book of Hebrews tells us that God, you know, um, Abraham was expecting to actually offer Isaac and that God would resurrect him. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out the place that God had told him about. Abraham obeys. Now we're not actually told any emotional reaction from Abraham at all. And I think that's important. Uh, it gives preachers a chance to fill in all kinds of things, all sorts of interesting stories that I've heard over my years as a Christian of Abraham's reactions. Uh, but it tells us nothing. But we have to Assume just by the way the text is written that this is such a, a, a painful request, such an emotional request to Abraham that he would struggle. And yet he obeys instantly. Early the next morning he gets up and starts the process of leaving from Mount Moriah. 
Now, I'm sure if I heard God say to me to take my son and to offer him, you know, the first thing I would do is go and get my hearing checked and, and then I would go to a doctor and check if I had schizophrenia. And then I would, uh, you know, decide, you know, the weather's not really good today. Uh, I think I'll go tomorrow. And then tomorrow I would decide, uh, you know, it's Sarah's birthday next week. And, and so we'll stay for that and then we'll go after that. And, uh, you know, slowly after a couple of years, I would just hope that it all faded away. Because, you know, how could God be serious about this? To do something like that. To threaten his own promise. But Abraham obeys at the first opportunity. The next morning, he packs up and goes. Now, we know from the last verse where Abraham is in Bathsheba. And I actually looked it up, and it is actually a three-day journey to get from Bathsheba to the area of Jerusalem. Now, here's the kid's picture, loading up the, uh, the donkey. Uh, with the, the firewood, uh, carrying fire. You don't have matches, so you have to carry fire in a fire pot. Now, I very much doubt the fire pot looked like that because I think that would burn your hand. But the, uh, the idea is that you would carry uh, live coals in a uh, pot, um, clay pot, and uh, would be covered and very little air allowed in so that the coals would uh, remain for the day. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he brings the firewood with him because the place is probably, uh, doesn't grow a lot of trees because Bathsheba is on the edge of the desert and you go up into the hills to Jerusalem. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Now this is the only indication we have that, that Abraham was expecting Isaac to be with him, that he would go and do all this you know, killing and offering of Isaac, but that God would resurrect him and bring him back. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. He himself carried the fire and knife. And this picture of placing the wood on Isaac and then later to place Isaac on the wood is one of the pictures that is emphasised in the text. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, uh, Father, uh, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now, I think at that point, Abraham would have just burst into tears. You know, I, it's just how would you tell your son that he is the intended sacrifice? But it's simple, the picture really spells it out, doesn't it? What are you missing? You're missing the lamb that would be offered as the sacrifice. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And when they reached the place that God had told him about, 
Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. So in just a couple of verses, we've covered the three-day journey. And then the text slows down and we have a more detailed description of the actual building of the altar, carefully laying the wood on it, binding Isaac, laying him on the wood. And now Abraham reaches out his hand and takes the knife. And at that point, God intervenes. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Now perhaps I should spell out what does fear God mean in this text. Um, it doesn't mean that you are shaking in your boots. It doesn't mean that you are afraid. Fear of God means a deep respect for the authority of God. And it's a respect that is bound up in Abraham's faith. That Abraham believes that God will actually fulfill his promise. God has said, I will bring about your descendants through Isaac. And Abraham believes that that promise is true and that he knows that God is just and that God will fulfill that promise. He doesn't understand the how, but it is through a deep respect for God that he obeys him. And God, at this point, says to Abraham, well done, you passed the test, because you were prepared to step out in faith and trust me. And there's a couple of pictures for the kids that he's stopped from offering uh, Isaac, and you know this story is a very important story. Nineteen verses in the book of Genesis becomes a story that is of huge significance to three different world faiths: Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And it becomes a picture that is often done uh, in Christian circles. Uh, usually, the figure of Isaac is very Christ-like and uh, they'll include the angel and the, the lamb somewhere. Very, very common theme. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket, he saw a lamb caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. To this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And you can see the picture of how the 
ram is uh, caught by its horns uh, in the bush. I particularly like that picture as an engineer that that is actually locked. <laughs> you know, most pictures I see of the ram caught by its horns uh, wouldn't actually work, but you can see how that, that, actually, that actually works. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And from that we get the name of God, Jehovah Jireh. Now that was a very popular chorus when I was a young Christian and we used to sing Jehovah Jireh, my provider. His grace is sufficient for me. I won't attempt to sing it because you all might leave. The, the, um, literally though, it actually means God who sees. But in this context, it means a God who sees the need and provides for it. And it becomes a proverb that is current at the time that the editor, and that's probably the, the person who wrote that uh, verse in Chronicles about where Solomon built the temple, uh, that it will be provided on the mountain of the Lord. So it has become part of the whole history of the people of Israel. And that every time you go up onto the Lord's mountain, you think back to this story because this is the location where this event happened. God again then renews his promise to Abraham. Now I'm not going to read that whole thing, just the last verse then. Through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Now, this promise is very frequently given throughout these verses in Genesis, uh, starting from chapter 12 and through the different passages that we've been studying over the last uh, few weeks. And finally, in chapter 22, we have the re repetition of the promise, but particularly linked to the fact that Abraham has been obedient to the call and the promise that God has given to him. And this promise will then be repeated to Isaac and to Jacob. Abraham then returns to live uh, where he was, which is in Bathsheba. And the writer to the Hebrews recognises that Abraham is kind of a double superhero because Abraham is the only person in the list of the heroes of the faith in Hebrews that gets two mentions. He is mentioned for the fact that he goes out from where he was living, in Haran, um, and that he um, obeyed God, that God would uh, show him uh, where he was to go. And again, that by faith, when God tested him, he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Testing has become a major theme. Um, now that I see throughout uh, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, and we see that starting even from Genesis chapter 3, that Adam and Eve are tested in the garden, that there is constantly God calling on people uh, to obey him, to listen to him, and it is a test. And that goes on uh, with the whole of the Exodus story, the wanderings in the wilderness. And of course, for the most part, 
it is a litany of failure. In most of the tests, the people involved fail. And even Moses actually fails the test and he is banned from entering the promised land. In the midst of all that failure, Abraham stands out as a huge success. He passed the test. Now, he, it's not that he didn't fail. As Neil pointed out last week, most surprisingly, as he interacted with the text, um, that he was so disappointed with Abraham after so long continuing to try to pass off Sarah as his sister. And yet, another 15 years later, Abraham has finally reached a point where he trusts God enough to actually do what God has told him to do. God has worked on Abraham now for 40 years and he reaches the point of real faith in God that he trusts that God will uh, fulfill his promise. Now I want to think just for a little while about God's request to kill and sacrifice his son. And this is, this is hard to understand. I, I haven't personally been challenged about this text by anybody, but I think probably some of you have. Um, one of the, pers the people that I talked to about this passage uh, said that uh, he, he had quite a long discussion with someone who, who really felt this text showed how God is unjust to ask Abraham to do something like this. It just seemed impossible to him. And it is hard to understand. The test is going to be really big. It has to show that Abraham is the worthy ancestor of the people of God, that he is an example to be followed. All the time, Abraham has threatened the promise with his own actions, and now God himself threatens the promise through the test to offer Isaac. So why? It's just a test? I think it's more than that. I think the test is the, the main point that is, is trying to get across to us, that in this test, a, a tremendously difficult test, Abraham was successful. But there is a deeper point. Abraham is named by God, father of nations. In his actions, Abraham offers back to God the most precious gift that God gave him, that is his son Isaac. And I think you are intended to see the pattern which we will be fulfilled in Christ sent away from the Father to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. For Isaac, there was a substitute. It teaches us that God just doesn't say, well, you, you offered Isaac to me, that's great, you know, now you all just go home. No. Actually, there has to be a sacrifice. But God is the one who provides that sacrifice in the Lamb of God. So if you are challenged about this passage, 
The answer is that God is setting an example in his own son. That this story is going to be repeated very closely, actually. You think, why did Abraham have to go to Moriah? Why is it important that Isaac is offered in that place? Because this points forward to what God will do in his redemption of mankind. That Abraham is the figure that through him all the nations of the earth will be blessed through his descendant, which is Christ. And so there's a very close link. And what a missionary named Don Richardson called a redemptive analogy. This is a story that helps people in later times to understand the meaning of the gospel. It helps them to understand how God the Father can send his only beloved son as the ransom for our sin. What about us? God will not ask you to literally sacrifice your child. Um, Okay, this, this story is unique. It happens once. It never happens again and will never happen again. It points forward to what God will do in Christ, his son. But God does not ask us to literally sacrifice our children. If you hear voices telling you to go and sacrifice anybody, uh, don't do it. Come and talk to your pastor or talk to a doctor or talk to somebody. But we are called to sacrifice ourselves to God. We are living sacrifices. Through Christ's death and resurrection, our response is to give ourselves to God. And we will be tested in our faith. 1 Peter 1.6 That all of us will experience some things in our lives that will so test our faith that we will struggle to really believe how God is involved in this. And this is the point when we step out and we show that we are the people of faith. Will you still trust in God when everything goes really bleak? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this story of Abraham. We thank you for its significance and importance throughout history and that it became a type that helps us to understand God the Father giving his only son to be the redemption for our sin. Lord, we thank you that there there is now given to us this certain hope. Father, we pray that you would find us, your people, who live in the fear of God, who by faith are obedient to your call. Lord, work in us that we may respect your authority over us and live by faith in this world. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.